Hello, hello. Welcome to The Rev Up, the podcast for business owners and business leaders who want to bring their revenue generation out of the dark ages and prepare for the future, whatever that may bring. I'm your host, Ben Shipley. I am the... uh, I'm the head of growth here at Trust the Process. For those of you that don't know, uh, Trust the Process is the place that you go to really when you want to use technology or you want to use outsourcing in order to be able to grow your business. But you want to do that with people who really understand the entrepreneurial journey. We are entrepreneurs ourselves. We are business owners ourselves. And we understand that things are a little bit different for you guys and for us than they are for big businesses, for enterprise uh, size businesses. Um, Here we are, episode number one, uh, in what will become a regular show where we talk about all things revenue generation, all things revenue growth, though not really just revenue growth for the sake of revenue growth, uh, profitable revenue growth, because that's ultimately what we are here for. Profit is what drives growth. Profits... uh, Profit is sucked up by growth, and so we need it in order to be able to keep fueling that success. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of things on this show, and I really want to use this episode uh, to prepare everybody for what's to come, make sure everybody's on the bus, they understand what's coming, they understand what they're here for, and what they can expect going forward. We are going to talk about a whole bunch of things. We're going to talk about marketing in terms of demand capture, in terms of uh, demand generation, we're going to talk about sales and all of that, all that that entails. We are going to talk about technology. We're going to talk about leadership and management, those two things being distinct and separate from each other, uh, and a whole lot more. If you are a business owner or revenue growth leader of some variety, or in fact, even uh, a sales or marketing professional for a service-based business, you are in the right place. Over the coming months, you're going to hear from me and my network of revenue generation experts. We're going to be talking all things revenue growth, diving into the nitty-gritty details of how you can take your business forward, knowing you can handle whatever the market throws at you uh, to outperform the market and to outperform your competitors. I know there's a lot of people out there that are a little bit worried about what might be coming in terms of the global economy, uh, but great businesses, many of the world's best greatest, biggest businesses were grown during recessions, were grown during times of economic difficulty. Uh, And so for those of you that are prepared, it may end up being a significant opportunity. I want to really talk you through, I suppose, the main areas that are, I suppose, distinctly different from each other that we're going to focus on. And I want to make sure that I really clarify the differences between these areas for a few different reasons. The first of which is, this is how I organize my revenue growth um, engine. This is how I think of the distinct parts of a revenue growth engine. And these are the individual areas that really require different skill sets, sometimes different technologies, quite often different personality types and experiences in order to be able to really Uh, nail each of these areas and so here's the way I want us to really look at uh, and think about revenue growth going forward right number one demand creation we have to create demand until there is demand in your market nobody is looking for you (laughs) nobody knows what they should buy 
who has budget, uh, who has time, who is responsible for solving a problem that they don't know they have? The answer is nobody. And so creating demand is as much about educating the market in order for them to take action as it is about um, creating demand for your specific expertise, right? We need, if we can teach our audience how to win in the arena that your solution exists within, guess who they're going to want to talk to when it comes time to solve the problems that your product solves or your service solves. The second one is we have to capture that demand and we have to think about this in two very distinct and separate pieces, right? We have to think about this in terms of where we have created the demand ourselves. We need to make it super easy for those people that come looking for us to find us. We need to make it super, super easy that once they find us, it's very easy for them to get in touch with us, right? Very easy for them to talk to us. Uh, very easy for them to find the answers that they're looking for and get the help that they're looking for. But for most of you, there will already be existing demand in your industry. This will tend to be some of the harder demand to capture. It will also be some of the harder demand to convert because you won't have been the one that is um, really shaping and engineering their vision for how the problem should be solved. Um, but this is, you know, things like SEO and SEM will really help you to capture pre-existing demand where people are searching for solutions. The third area is we need to convert that demand. Once they've found you, uh, we have to make it super easy for them to buy from us, you know, in an elegant way, a way that keeps your conversion rates high, keeps your sales cycle short, and maximizes your average transaction value, right? If we can do those three things, that is, in many cases, where additional profit can come from, right? Where additional profit and where the profitability of your growth engine can often come from. Fourth, we need to help our customers succeed. The sale is not over at the point that they sign the contract or pay the deposit, right? We need to make sure that we are onboarding our clients in a, in a, in a way that um, is efficient, is effective and sets them up for success and then we need to guide them through the process of how they win with our solution, how they win with our service and make sure they have a great experience doing it. Successful customers become happy customers, right? Uh, there's, there's a lot of people out there talking about you need to make sure you have happy customers. Successful customers come first, happy customers uh, are made from successful customers and when they are successful and happy, that is when you get the chance to expand the relationship, right? This is where you should be farming from in order to fuel internal growth from existing customers. Grow with them as a valued partner, but just don't forget to ask them, right? Lots of businesses out there that have these amazing customers that are doing really well and really happy with them and they never really approach them to try and do more work with them. And so that for me is the, the crux of what I really want us to focus on in this show. By understanding these five key pillars, we can understand how to structure our own teams for revenue growth, but we can also understand what areas we need to grow in ourselves. Which are the areas where we are the best? Which are the areas where we have the weaknesses? And either hire or learn and develop 
uh, or buy technologies or whatever we need to do in order to make up for the other ones, right? So this is the key. Understand the pieces of the puzzle and you can start to bring them together, right? And so going forward on this show, these are the areas that I will be bringing you experts in. These are the areas that we will be talking about. But to kick us off today, I want to talk about the big hot button topic, which I'm sure most businesses are feeling right now, which is people. I know everybody's having some struggles here. I've certainly had some more challenges than usual over the last particularly uh, 12 or so months when it comes to finding, hiring, training, onboarding, retaining uh, good people in order to fuel the growth that we're trying to achieve. I know a lot of people are struggling with this. Um, to me, this is in business generally, whatever other businesses are struggling the most with is quite often an opportunity. Everybody has to find talent. Everybody has to hire. Everybody has to onboard, train, retain, right? Those who can do a really great job of it in this market where it is so competitive are truly the ones who are going to have the greatest competitive advantage of our time. And so this is something that I truly believe business owners in particular, but anybody leading teams, anybody responsible for leading teams in business, and particularly those in revenue growth teams, it is so essential that we are skilling ourselves in order to be able to outperform the market when it comes to recruitment, when it comes to finding um, resources, when it comes to thinking outside of the box and finding alternate ways to resource, alternate ways uh, to fill the gaps in our business. This is truly a significant competitive advantage and the ones that can do a great job of it are the ones that are going to win. And especially if we end up having some significant global financial crisis, it will become even more important, <laughs> right? And so I, what I want to do today is I want to talk about a few different ways. Uh, actually, let's put that a slightly different way. Um, a few things to think about in terms of your own business and your own situation right now when it comes to solving the talent crisis. Right? when it comes to finding good people, when it comes to resourcing appropriately. In order to do that, we're going to do it in a very Ben Shipley way. We're going to first look at some numbers just to really scare the heck out of everybody. And then we're going to look at some memes. This is what businesses are saying. Businesses reporting labor as a significant constraint. This comes out of the AFR. Uh, as a percentage across the years. As you can see, uh, for a very long time, throughout the 90s, throughout the early 2000s, up to 2010, you're typically looking about 25% of businesses, up and down, 20 to 25% of businesses struggling with finding people. 2010 hits, and that becomes less of a problem. Well, let's say 2008 hits, we all know what happened then. Uh, a lot of businesses went under, a lot of businesses had significant problems and there were, again, more people uh, to fill the roles that did still exist. We hit COVID, as you can see, uh, to start 2020 
and that problem reversed. <laughs> uh, and so it has gone absolutely through the roof. Most businesses are facing this. And so there's a few things that I really want us to think about when it comes to solving this problem, right? The first thing, don't assume your current team will stay, right? Don't overlook the one that you already have or the ones that you already have. Don't let them feel like they are unappreciated. Don't let them feel like the grass might be greener on the other side. As you can see here uh, from one of my favorite movies of all time, just joking, uh, the, the old original Star Wars are obviously the greatest. Uh, when the only staff member you could trust also leaves, Obi-Wan freaking out at uh, our good friend Anakin Skywalker. So here's the question to ask yourself, are you good to work for? And there's a lot of parts that go into this, you know. Um, I think where most people go immediately, and I hear so many business owners complaining about like, um, the current generation doesn't want to work hard, right? The current generation doesn't want difficulty. They don't, they don't want to put in the yards. They don't want to do all of these things. I, I don't... I don't believe that that's true. I think how they want to do it, particularly um, some of the younger generations coming through is different than past generations. I think they're willing to put up with less bullshit, to be honest. I think um, the expectation of what a workplace should be like is fundamentally different than what it used to be. And so, what I have found over the years, and particularly the last few years, you know, we went through some tough times the last few years in terms of um, how hard it was to maintain team engagement. We went through some times where we really, really had to hustle and work hard. But to me, I don't truly believe that people don't want to work hard. I think they don't want to work hard for no reason, right? And because they have a job and they're getting paid, just doesn't cut it anymore. And so the big question to ask yourself is how connected, how connected are your team to a mission? What is your mission and how connected are they to it? Forget about the happiness of your team, right? Happiness is a fallacy. I don't just mean this in terms of life. Um, Trying to find happiness as an end state, I think, is is a fool's errand. Uh, fulfillment is ultimately the goal, right? Do your team feel fulfilled? If they feel fulfilled, they will mostly be willing to work hard in order to feel fulfilled. It is a better goal, right? Why does what you are doing as a team matter? And look, I've had this conversation with hundreds of business owners over the years, and I get the answer all the time. I just sell widgets, right? How can there be a mission? How can there be connection to that? It's just a basic thing. I just sell a thing. It doesn't make a difference to the world. Okay, well, fine. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you put no time into it, of course, you can't think of anything. How many hours have you spent trying to figure out what your mission is? How many hours have you spent trying to figure out what the point of connection could be? How you can make a difference? It doesn't have to be that your product 
completely fundamentally changes the world. But how does the way you operate make the world a better place? How does it make a better place? Uh, or how does it make your employees' lives better? How does it make your customers' lives better? What is the mission? What are we trying to achieve here? One of my absolute favorite uh, authors and people to follow, go and check him out if you get the chance, Jim Quick, who is uh, the guru of memory, I would say. Um, he often says, if you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. So if you keep arguing that you can't, it's not possible for your business to have a connected mission for your team, guess what? You get to be right. The second thing on top of um, are you good to work for, you know, is are you worth joining? Uh, a good friend, James Michael, who is in the sales recruitment game, actually uh, focuses on helping small businesses hire their first salesperson. Um, he talks about this topic all, all the time. In, in, the, in the race for talent, in the war for talent, you have to stick out, right? And so we'll we'll refer to our good friend Dennis Denudo from the castle. If people are asking you, and this includes like recruiters that are talking to you, your friends that are talking to you, other business owners that are talking to you, and especially your candidates are asking, what's good about your business? Why should I join? And your answer is something along the lines of, oh, it's the vibe. And uh, no, no, that's it. It's just the vibe, right? I hear answers pretty. <laughs> I know this is a this is a, a joke, but not too dissimilar to this. Pretty frequently, right? Not too dissimilar. If you if you conducted, here's a thought experiment for you. If you conducted your sales and marketing efforts the same way you conduct your recruitment efforts, would you expect anyone to buy from you? Right? We have to keep what we are promising people in reality. Over-promising is a very short uh, trip to high turnover. But you still have to have some, some good sales and marketing around why people should join you, how you're going to attract them, how you're going to find them, how you're going to attract them, how you're going to hire them, how you're going to convert them into your business as an employee, right? Um, think about think about it in terms of um, the last few years, people trying to find rental properties, turning up to rental properties, and there are 50 other people there filling in um, filling in rental applications. What does the property manager do with those rental applications? Well, I can tell you, they go back to the office, they throw away three quarters of them, they find the few that have, I don't know, the highest salary uh, in the wage part, uh, that aren't a bunch of boys living together, that don't have pets, da -da 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 -da, and they go with those five and they say, here's the applications to the owner and they go ahead and, and put somebody in, right? The same as that in reverse is happening with candidates. Most of them are interviewing for four, five, six jobs and then picking the one that they want the most, right? And if you're leaving your, uh, your hiring process going, oh, well, they obviously just didn't want it enough, you're kidding yourself, 
right? It's time for us to get real about this stuff. In a competitive market, you have to be better at hiring than everybody else if you want to hire the best people. The best people are going to go with whoever is the best at recruiting, right? And unfortunately for us in small business, we don't have massive budgets and massive brands to go off. And so it is up to us to be the reason why they should join. Let that sink in for a second. If you can't compete with brand and budget, you're not going to be able to pay them the ludicrous salaries, especially salespeople are getting in these SaaS businesses that have grown the last couple of years. If you're not going to be able to compete with money, you have to be the reason. It's up to you. It's up to you to be the differentiator as to why they choose you. Third, do they have to be local or at a physical location? I think this is a really important point at the moment, and I know this has obviously been talked about to absolute death. There are businesses that need people to be in a physical location, right? If you're a panel beater, panel beaters have got a panel beat in a workshop. <laughs> the cars have got to come to you and you've got to work on them and then give them back to the customer. So... For some of you, physical location is very important, right? Um, but if they can work from home, if they can be remote, not all of them, let's just be clear. It's not that all of your team need to be able to be remote, but can anyone? Are there some tasks that happen in your business that if they were remote would allow you a little bit of flexibility? So when you're working from home, good news is you're always the employee of the month. I actually spoke to an executive the other day that told me uh, they aren't planning to grow where the opportunities are the greatest. They are just growing wherever they can find good people. And so their recruitment plan is really wide and broad but they have a role where they have to sell in person on site. They have to be in location and they have to run an area. And so wherever they can find the best salesperson, that is where they're focusing on growth, right? That's where we've got to with this talent situation. We're not focusing on the area that has the greatest potential. We're focusing on the area where we can get a good person, right? That's the world we live in. <clears throat> and so for me, if you don't have to be local, right? If you can hire remote, is there anything that your existing team do? Is there anything that the people that you do have locally where you are, anything that they're doing that somebody remote could do? Because if somebody remote could do some of their work, what you might find is you already have a person internally that you can reskill and upskill to do some of the tasks that you're trying to hire for. If you haven't been able to find anybody, it's time to promote internally. It's time, if you've got somebody that's been doing the same job for a few years and they're interested in trying something new, give them a shot at it and then take some aspects of other people's roles and send them to somebody remote, <clears throat> right? Don't just think always in terms of single box of roles. Sometimes you've got to be a little bit creative. And if you can um, 
if you can take some work away from two or three people, you might find that there's a full-time role you've created that could be done remotely. Those are the big questions. Are you good to work for? And are you doing everything that you need to do in order to make sure that you keep your current people? Are you worth joining? Are you doing everything you can to find the people that you need to hire? And I would add a little extra piece to this. I talk to so many people that say, um, oh, I've tried everything. Can't find anybody out there. I say, what have you tried? And it's just the same stuff they used to do when it was easy to hire people. <laughs> uh, and 100% factual. I had someone tell me, put an ad in the paper, right? Fine, it might have worked in the past, but the goal now is to go far and wide. If this is the greatest problem that you're facing, step up as the business owner in particular, if that's you, or if you're leading a team, step up and be the one to solve it. But you're not going to solve it by doing the same shit you've been doing over and over again for the last bunch of years. That stuff doesn't work, right? It's not as easy. You're going to have to do more. It's going to have to be harder if you want to solve the problem. And third, do they have to be local? If they can be remote, find parts of what your team's currently doing and try and find somebody uh, that's not location dependent. Always think of it in terms of, if I have to be local, I get this geographical area that I can pull talent from. If I don't have to be local, I've got the world, right? I've got the, uh, let's say for example, my customers and the work that I do is all English speaking. I've got the English speaking world. If the job that I need them to do uh, requires them to deal with uh, customer inquiries and things like that and they are time dependent, I've probably got my time zone of the English speaking world, right? But that's a whole lot more. And if you don't want to offshore, well, then you've got all of the Australian English speaking population, right? Uh, but that is a whole lot better than a friggin' 25 kilometer radius from wherever you happen to be. If you're trying to hire a social media manager in that 25 kilometer radius and you happen to live in Wollongong, you'll get some of the social media managers that happen to live in Wollongong. If you're hiring for that role in Australia, well, you'll get the pick of the people that happen to be in Australia, right? Expand your horizons a little bit. It makes a huge difference and go far and wide. Don't just put it in the paper. Don't just put it on LinkedIn. Don't just put it on Seek. Don't just put it wherever you've put it before and it hasn't been working for you. Try 10 other channels. Get into Facebook groups. Get into LinkedIn groups. Find people on Instagram that have job titles in their, in their profiles. Go out actively and find the people that you want. <clears throat> um, cool. Because of what we do here at TTP, we have obviously seen you know lots of clients solving these problems through outsourcing. I think it's a really important um, option to consider. It's not for everybody. Um, and to be totally honest, in some cases in our industry, some will tell you it is for everybody and you can do everything. I don't think that's entirely true. Um, there's definitely been some, there's some people that are, uh, have struggled with it, tried and failed at outsourcing, um, and don't have the highest opinion of it. But the, the truth is that 
small businesses are using outsourcing and offshoring in particular at a greater and greater rate now. Um, the options available are significantly better than they used to be. Um, using things like uh, virtual assistants to increase uh, capacity of particularly the senior team, having them manage calendars, do a bunch of the admin type work um, certainly can help. But there's businesses are now really managing to do so much more offshore than they've ever been able to do before. Things like, like I said before, social media management, uh, graphic design, appointment setters for sales. Uh, in many cases, depending on the product and the client's full end-to-end -end sales process. Um, website development, video editors, customer support, finance stuff, bookkeeping and accounts receivable, that sort of stuff. Um, there's lots of things you can do offshore now and, and obviously the draw of actually being able to find somebody certainly makes a difference. Uh, that's a big benefit and the cost benefits are significant too, usually somewhere between a third and a fifth of the cost of an onshore resource. Generally, I find the best approach, there's, there's a few tricks that are, to me, really, really important because the, the truth with outsourcing is your greatest cost is not necessarily going to come from your hourly rate of your staff member. Um, it'll come from all of the, uh, it'll come from mistakes, it'll come from uh, turnover of staff, having to rehire, retrain, re-onboard and do all that sort of stuff. And so name of the game really is about retention. That's what I've found. But there's a few, yeah, there's a few kind of core learnings I've had. Um, I've hired um, and remotely managed people in over 30 countries in the last 10 years, 10, maybe 15 now. Um, and the things I think are super important are first, don't outsource problems. If you have a problem, and let me give you an example of this, uh, we're really struggling with marketing. We can't generate leads at the moment. We don't know how to generate leads. Uh, and you come to me and say, uh, I want to hire an offshore marketing manager because we don't know how to generate leads. I'm telling you, if you don't know how to do it for your business, they're not going to know how to do it for your business. Never outsource a problem. Only outsource a process. It, if that is your problem, if marketing and lead generation is your problem, you are going to have to figure out how to solve it. You're going to have to educate yourself. You're going to have to um, join a business education community uh, like the Entourage where I worked previously prior to Trust the Process. Um, you're going to have to do something to overcome that problem. Uh, you can't outsource a problem. You're going to have to learn. You're going to have to figure it out. And once you've figured it out and you've got some momentum, that's the time that you start outsourcing for marketing, right? If there's a simple part of the marketing that the only reason you're not doing it is because you don't have time, like regularly posting on social media, for example, that's a really good thing to outsource, right? It's not a problem. It's an opportunity. Um, but even better, if you have a process, if you have templates, if you have things like that, you'll be much more successful. The second thing is um, having in-country local management is an absolute game changer. Uh, one of my team members who actually uh, is in the Philippines, um, she's been with me across multiple companies uh, over the last three years and having her, uh, shout out to Bel Capistrano by the way, um, having her in the Philippines has been an absolute godsend for me 
in terms of so so many things. One of the big things is like cultural management norms, right? If you're hiring in multiple countries, you're never going to have the experience to understand what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, how to communicate with your team to make sure that they're on board, to make sure they understand, to make sure that the training is sinking in and uh, being executed, all of those things. Having somebody in country uh, that has experience in managing team members in that country is honestly absolutely essential for me. The third thing is make sure you're using technology to ensure you have visibility and control. Um, you know, spreadsheets all over the place and an email address is not the level that you need to be at if you're going to offshore. Um, making sure that you have good visibility over the work being done, the quality of the work being done. <clears throat> if you're doing sales in particular, uh, recordings so you can get a feel for the experience that your customers are having and you can train and upgrade and update and do all those sorts of things to improve it. Super, super important. The fourth thing is talk to them every day. <laughs> uh, this is an underrated thing and I would say this is, um, this is true of team members wherever they are, especially if they're remote. Talk to them every day. And if that's a 15-minute catch-up in the morning, amazing. Do that, right? It doesn't have to always just be about business. You need to connect with your team. You need to, well, they need to know that you care about them as a human being, not just as an asset to the business. And in order for that to be true, you actually have to care about them as human beings, not just as assets to the business. And the only way that you build a relationship like that is by talking to them, right? Getting to know them as, as a person, um, getting to understand them um, and spending time with them. But by doing something every day, you also get the chance to make sure everybody's aligned, right? You get a, a chance to transfer a bit of energy, get a chance to re-engage people with the mission um, and do all of those things that you need to do as a leader. So talk to them every day, right? Get on a call, get on a Zoom, if you've got team members overseas, both of you get on WhatsApp, make calls on WhatsApp, whatever you got to do to make sure that communication's there. Uh, and the final one, I'd say is the most fun one. Um, if you possibly can, go and visit. <laughs> uh, I've been to the Philippines a bunch of times. I've traveled to a lot of places that I've, uh, most of the places I've had team members over the years. And uh, if you're just going to have one location offshore that you're going to have team members, Pick a place that you might want to actually go and visit, right? If you're a tropical island kind of person, hire team members in a tropical island <laughs> or at least a country that has tropical islands around it, right? If you're, a, uh, if you're a snow and ski kind of person, hire them in a region where they have snow and ski mountains, right? Figure out a place you actually would go to and then go there sometimes. I mean, if it's once a year, it honestly makes the biggest difference. Again, getting to know your team, taking them out for dinner, having a couple of drinks with them if, if, uh, if you are so inclined, having a bit of fun, getting to know them as people um, and building those relationships. That is true for all teams. The closer you are, uh, 
the more likely it is that you can have difficult conversations and the more likely it is that you can all be connected to the mission and going in the same direction. I've heard this terrible management advice many times over the years uh, of you can't be friends with your team uh, because then you won't be able to have difficult conversations with them. Well, here's the thing. Not being friends with them might make it easier for you emotionally to fire them. It might make it easier emotionally for you to put them on a performance improvement plan. But it will not make it easier for them to hear what you're trying to tell them. Who can you have harder conversations with? Someone you're really close with or someone you barely know? Real hard conversations, right? And not hard in terms of, oh, I, don't, I feel gross doing it. I feel bad doing it. Hard in terms of you can tell them a hard truth and they can hear it and they can accept it because they know that you care about them and it's not an attack on them and they can go and do something about it. You can't do that with people that you don't know and you're not connected with. And those are probably the primary tips for me. So outsourcing being a good option um, in terms of solving the talent crisis that's out there. So I'll just re repeat this. Massive problems require massive action. If the biggest problem in your business right now is hiring, you better do something about it. Step up, solve the problem, um, read books, take courses. If you need to, go and talk to somebody, right? Talk to somebody that knows what they're talking about in this area. If you haven't been able to figure out how to hire anybody and you haven't spoken to somebody that does know how to hire people well in this market, you haven't tried everything. And those are the words. Those words, I've tried everything, are never true. <laughs> There's always something else. <laughs> There's always something else we can do. And so for me, like I said before, this is the greatest potential um, differentiation, the greatest potential competitive advantage that you can have if you can solve this problem. Um, as I mentioned before, trust the process solves this problem through outsourcing. We also, to a degree, solve it through technology. You know, where you can create automation in your sales and marketing, obviously you um, reduce the amount of tasks required in order to do a good job in those two places. Um, whether that be in how you create quotes, whether that be in how you nurture your pipeline, whether that be in how your leads flow through from your website into your database. Are you doing manual data entry there? All of that sort of stuff, you can solve it a little bit too. Um, but that's going to be it for me on this particular podcast. I hope you guys will join us next time. If you would like... Uh, to reach out and connect, you can do so through the QR code uh, that is on the screen now next to my head. I'm not sure if you scan my face if you'll also go through to a link. Uh, but scan that QR code. It'll take you to the link to my LinkedIn, the link to the Trust the Process LinkedIn, and the link to the Trust the Process website. Um, for all of those of you that know me well, you know I'm always happy to help. If you've got a challenge in any of these areas and you just want to talk, uh, feel free to ping me a DM on LinkedIn uh, or follow through the website to one of our contact forms. 
um, and just let the team know that you want to have a chat with me and they can pop something in the diary uh, and we can work through it with you, uh, put together a bit of a strategy and figure out how we're going to resolve it. But thank you very much for joining me uh, and we will see you next time.